Welcome back to the Write It Down podcast with the 1513 Network. I'm your host, Brooke Murata, bringing you one-on-one interviews to challenge, inspire, and encourage. This next guest is a special girl to me. I met her in college through our mentor as she was kicking off her acting career. And now we are years down the road just um, going back on what God's done in our life. She went from being an abused young lady to a star in Hollywood, featuring in films like Star Trek Into Darkness, Mother's Day with Jennifer Aniston and Kate Hudson, God's Not Dead 2, Unbroken, I Can Only Imagine, and the list goes on and on. I'm super excited to have this next guest, Gianna Simone, on with you. She is so compassionate, empathetic, and kind. I know you're going to love her story. You know what to do. Sit back, relax, and get your pens ready, because this is Write It Down. All right, welcome back to the Write It Down podcast with the 1513 Network. I'm your host, Brooke Murata, on the mic with my birthday twin, Gianna Simone. Gianna, thank you so much. Yes, I love December 22nd um, because not many people get celebrated during that time of year because we share it with Jesus, which is okay. But I, I remember when I first met you and we were like, what, December 22nd? No kidding. So I'm super excited. Um, Gianna, you've been in countless movies and TV series. You've been in Star Trek Into Darkness, Mother's Day, Unbroken, God's Not Dead 2. I can only imagine. The list goes on and on. Um, So I'm super excited to have you and your star power here and just your excitement and um, for you to share your journey. So thank you so much for joining us. Brooke, thank you so much for having me on. I've been watching you and your show is amazing. And so it's my pleasure. It's my absolute pleasure to be. And back at you, you have an Amazon series, Love Gianna on there. You're on season two, correct? Yes, um, so super exciting to watch you grow in that as well. But life hasn't always been super easy for you. Um, you grew up in a very broken home and just have went, went through abuse and went through a lot struggling as a kid. So do you mind sharing with the audience a little bit about your background and what ultimately led you to blossom into the woman you are today? Yes. Thank you for asking. You know, it's funny. I never had any intention to ever, like when I got into modeling and acting, I did it because I loved it so much. And then as I grew and I did more interviews and more press, people were very, very interested in my story Mm -hmm. and the abuse that I endured and everything that I've overcome. And, you know, I don't love talking about it because it takes, but I do because it's important and it helps people. And I, and I'm learning as a human being that it's very important to talk about things that, that we overcome and the, the bad, not so glamorous side of life, because everybody has something that they've overcome or need to overcome or in the midst of overcoming. And, and so I share it to help people. I don't share it to, um, bad mouth anybody or to be a victim. I share it because, um, it's, it brings hope to people. And, and I have, I have certain things that have, oh, let me, um, let me just, my emails are popping up. I don't want that to, to been there. Well, please hold. Yeah. Okay. I'm just quitting my emails. Okay. No, you're so, so I, I share because I want to, I want to be a voice of hope and encouragement for people. So with that said, um, I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts and, um, around, 13 years old, I was taken out of my home because of, um, physical abuse Mm. and a lot of violence that was going on. And, um, I got arrested one night for fighting back because I was physically abused and neglected for pretty much my entire childhood. And around 13 years old, 
um, I, I got arrested and, um, was taken to the local police station and put into a holding cell and, uh, called my dad. He didn't live at the house with us. And I was like, dad, I need you to come bail me out. I'm in, I'm in the uh, holding cell at the police station. <laughs> he was like, okay, I'll come and get you. Yeah. So he bailed me out. I don't even remember how much it was. And I remember looking at him through the bars and I was in like a jail cell and I was sitting in this chair and, and I was like, how did I even like, what am I doing? Where am I? How did I even get here? Mm. When I was just defending myself and like, obviously they don't know the whole story and police have to act accordingly to the situation that they get called on. And so my dad bailed me out and I was like, dad, hi. He's like, I'm going to get you. Gigi. He calls me Gigi. And, um, and I was like, okay, <laughs> get me out of here. Yeah, like, hang tight. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> and so we stayed at a hotel that night because I can't, he's always been kind of like a gypsy soul. Like yeah. he's never really had one place where he's lived for a really long time and he struggled in, in his life as well. And, um, wasn't necessarily able to take care of my brother and I. And so, um, but he did and he tried and, and, and I see that and I see his heart and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And I'm grateful for, all, grateful for all the times that everybody in my life has tried and still tries, you know, that's, I think that's, we all mess up. We all do things that we regret that, you know, we're sinners, right? Like that's why we need Jesus. And thank God we have a, a, a God filled with grace and mercy True. that we can go to. And we know about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's another reason why I, I share this story and I don't like to like point fingers at people because, because I, I have a, I have a heart of forgiveness and understanding and, and knowing that I'm not perfect and God forgave me and he calls us to forgive other people. So, but I still want to talk about the truth to help people. So anyway, um, so we're in this hotel and, and after my dad bailed me out and I remember, um, praying and I don't even think I was a Christian. I grew up Catholic, but I remember praying for God to take my life because I didn't know what was going to happen. And I was in a position where we had to go to court the next day. And if they found me guilty, then, um, I was going to go to like juvie and that's like, you know, prison for kids. And I was like, am I going to survive there? I'm a pretty white girl. Like, like I couldn't even attend Boston public schools because they hated me because I was a pretty white girl. So I had to get some girl, like the side side note, some girl, um, was bullying me. And then I fought back and they, I was literally, my life was being threatened after we got into this, this altercation and physical fight. Oh and, um, all because of, I was, I was actually the minority in, in Boston public schools. So I didn't know if like that and juvie would have been a million times worse than that. So I was like, I was like, God, just, I, I just don't want to live. Like I, mm. I don't understand why I'm here. I, I'm really scared. Just please take my life. Like I'm happy to die in my sleep tonight. Please take my life. And, and it was because of fear, but he obviously didn't. And so thank God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, and so I went to court the next day and I had already had what's called a chins taken out on me. Mm-hmm. My mom took a chins out on me and it's, it's uh, stands for child in need of service. And I had a probation officer and this is kind of rewinding a little bit. And, uh, the probation officer, her name was Peggy. And she was like, Gianna, wait, hold on. You're getting straight A's in school. You are being abused and neglected at home. 
what's what's going on here? Like, you don't do drugs. You're not like this wild child that you that you're being treated as. And something's missing here. Like, what's actually going on? What's the truth? And so uh, when I went to court the following day after the hotel situation, the right. uh, getting arrested, then the hotel situation, then I went to court. And so Peggy was there, my probation officer. And she really liked me because she was dealing with like gang members and right. kids committing violence. And that actually really needed a chance taken out on them. Like mm. I needed my parent to stop abusing me and just to love me. And so, um, and she saw that, you know, and, and it's, it's just sad. The whole situation, yeah. like I, when, when I think back on it, I'm like, wow, that was, it's, it's I, I want to talk about me about it, but I'm like, yeah. it, 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 it is what it is. And it was what it was. Right. So when, when I got to court, my dad was there and I think my mom was there too. And, um, Peggy, I just remember Peggy standing up before the, the judge, my probation officer. And she was like, judge Gianna is one of the best kids that I've ever met. She's in a bad situation. She is acting this way because of the way she's been, she's been treated her whole entire life. She was defending herself. She's in, she's just, she's a great kid in a bad situation. And I, I was like, this is the first time in my life up to this point that somebody has defended me, that somebody has actually gone to bat and defended me. And I, I was like, so many emotions came over me at that point. I was like, this is, thank you God for sending a protector in the form of this woman. Mm-hmm. And so, um, even though she protected me, I kind of went from one hell to another. And so I was, the judge, uh, said she's going to have to be taken out of her home because there is physical abuse going on and we're going to have to put her into foster care. So, um, I was like, what does that mean? You know, I, I'm going to be displaced. Like, where am I going? Who am I going to live with? Like, am I going to be physically safe? So I went from a, a known bad situation to an unknown, possibly even worse situation. I just didn't know. Right. Maybe it would be better. Maybe I didn't. So um, I went to my first placement was they take you to the, the um, Department of Social Services and um, you get a caseworker. And then the caseworker places you with whoever has been approved by the state to take you in. Some of my cousins tried to take me in. Some of them just didn't even care and didn't even try. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of my friends are like, wait, where were your cousins? Where where were your aunts and uncles? Like, where was, where was the rest of your family? And so two cousins tried to take me in, but they actually had a record uh, of being arrested when they were like 18. And then right. another one couldn't do it for another reason. And so I'm like... Oh, great. So rather than putting me with somebody who I trust and who could probably take care of me, um, I'm going to have to go with strangers. Right. Because they don't have a record. Right. Yeah. And so the system, the system, I understand why they do that, but the system is kind of messed up in that instance because you have to really ask the child, would you be comfortable in this situation? Is this situation safe or is this going to cause more damage being put into a a home that with people you have no idea right. who you live with. Right. And so anyway, um, I jumped around from foster home to foster home, different placements, uh, a friend in high school, her grandmother tried to take me in. And then, um, um, this, I think her name was Mary. And she, I remember she had, she wanted to adopt a child. She didn't want to adopt somebody that was in their teens. And so she had these two baby bunk beds and I was like sleeping in the baby bunk beds. And I'm like, 
where am I? What is happening? What is happening? Why am I walking through this right now? I, I, I've endured all of this and now I have to endure this. And you didn't choose that life for yourself. Like, because because I was defending myself because like, because I spoke up, like you're supposed to, good things are supposed to happen when you speak up and get out of a bad situation. Like, why is this, why is this happening? And so I thought this was supposed to help me. And then, um, and then I ended up in a girl's home and it was like a, this group setting. And then, um, I was sitting at the the kitchen table one night and not a lot of, um, like the house mom didn't really speak English and there wasn't a lot of communication going on. And like, I didn't, I was like, Oh my goodness, these girls, like, am I going to have to fight for my life every day in here? Mm. And, uh, there was like these plastic seats and I had my, my leg up on one and like my foot was on the chair and I was kind of like huddling my knee and, um, just sitting at the table trying to like figure out who, who is everybody and how to get to know all their personalities. And the one girl was like, Hey, take your foot down. And I was like, is going to get, is this going to turn into a fight? Like, am I going to, am I going to have to fight for my life every Mm -hmm. single day? So I slept with my knife nearby, my phone under my pillow every night. And, um, there was one girl that had like got into a knife fight and she had a slice from her ear to her mouth. And (laughs) it's just wild. Yeah. Jumping out of the second story window to escape. And like, it's just, so anyway, it ended up being fine. And I ended up making friends with pretty much all the girls. It was kind of like a revolving door in there, but nobody really messed with me, which Mm -hmm. was nice. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I ended up like, taking them for runs and taking one girl. She was, uh, I'll never forget this either. One girl, uh, came down and I know we have a limited amount of time. I'm almost done. No, no, this is <laughs> compelling. It's insane. Yeah. One girl, uh, came down to Boston from Maine to prostitute herself and her, because of her mom, uh, was sick and she had cancer and she wanted to get money for her mom's treatment. This is the story she told me. And so, um, and, and I believed her, I don't, I'm not sure if it was hundred percent true or not or, or what, but it's, right. it sounded legitimate. And then she was, um, since she was a prostitute and an underage prostitute, she was, I won't get too graphic, but she was, um, performing something on a John and, uh, apparently held a gun to her head and the police came and she had to hide the gun somewhere. And, um, and so she got, put into foster care and she was in the girl's home. And I was like, Oh my goodness. And it dawned on me that as bad as I felt about my situation, I saw that it could be much worse. Right. And I think that it, in times like that, when seeing like, not to feel sorry for ourselves, but to have hope right. and like have compassion on ourselves, like understand that what we're feeling is, is legitimate. And it, and if it stinks, it stinks, but know that it can always get worse. And mm-hmm. and we actually have it really good. And, right. you know, at the end of the day, I was safe. I wasn't getting into fights. There was fear, but I wasn't getting into fights. Mm-hmm. And, and I had hope of eventually leaving one day right. and, or aging out. Like I didn't know, I didn't know the future. Um, and I actually remember talking to the one girl, uh, her name was Amanda who had the, the scar in her face and her and I became really good friends. And I remember sitting on the front stairs and there was like stabbings and shootings in the neighborhood. And it was like, you know, it was like the ghetto. And, um, and so I remember talking to her and I'm like, Amanda, is this ever going to change? Is it ever going to get better? What are we doing? And uh, I can't remember what she said. And just looking back on those moments and how 
God mm. can change horrible situations. My life is so good now. I'm so blessed because of Jesus, because of God. Mm. And if I can, if sharing that story teaches people that when we give our lives to Christ, he can take horrible situations and turn them into such beauty. Mm-hmm. It's so profound. Yeah, and, it is. And, and it's amazing. It's mm-hmm. amazing. He's, yeah. he's a God of miracles. He really is. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of like, you know, my story. No, Sorry. yeah, no. I just love Jesus so yeah, much. Yeah, I know. I know you do. And I... And that's just the thing, right? Is it's like, I've said it before, like, like life is messy, but so was the cross yet. It was still so beautiful. And that's like the hope we have. And, you know, your story is a miracle and, and the things that, that you have walked through have shaped you to be who you are. And what's so incredible about you. And I've even seen it just in this short amount of time of talking of how like careful you've been not to like throw people under the bus but like still highlight the story and the details of how it's impacted you and bring hope. But the fact that you don't want to harbor bitterness and that is something that is so beautiful um, about you and about even the way that you told the story is there isn't an ounce of bitterness in your voice or in your demeanor with this. It's all been, okay, this is what happened. Like these are the steps. These are the things that, that went down in the past, but these are not what define my future. And so kind of piggybacking off of the fact that you didn't harbor bitterness, um, because you had to defend yourself so much as a kid, do you find yourself as an adult being defensive or how have you combated being defensive when something does come along your way? And, and again, you're not in an abusive situation anymore, but those triggers can sometimes pop up. So how do you combat being defensive and how can others combat being defensive based off their scenarios that have happened that could create bitterness? That's a really good question. And I was actually just thinking about this the other day. Um, when people, I think this is why I'm a vegan, because mm-hmm. when I see innocence being physically harmed or taken advantage of, I think like I get so triggered and, and I get like a physical reaction. Mm. My body gets hot. I get like, I want to throw up and I, I want to cry or yell or like, I have to do something about Mm. it. You know, like there's this action that, that comes up in my body of like, you have to, I have to help them. I have to do something. I I can't stand it. Fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And, and, and I'm like, oh, I cannot believe we actually do this to animals and innocence suffers mm-hmm. this way. And so, yeah, like if somebody, um, if I, I do get that reaction when, when there's like an argument to be had or, mm-hmm. um, a disagreement or my safety feels threatened. Like I get those feelings that come up, you know, mm-hmm. I think, I think my body remembers it. However, since being a Christian, I'm able to, I think that happens, but I also have kind of like this superpower because mm-hmm. I have so much experience having to think in right. that fight or flight feeling that physical feeling that comes up. I'm able to know, okay, I call on Jesus mm-hmm. and I'm able to think my way through and not, I think like your prefrontal cortex shuts down when you're in fight or flight, mm-hmm. but I, I actually combat it and I'm able to think through things. Now, if something crazy, crazy, crazy that I've never experienced happened and then 
I just went into like physical, it was just a knee jerk thing, like or with a certain situation, but I tend to try to, um, really have control over it, knowing like, okay, this feeling's happening, stay calm, find the words, right. work through it. Right remember what Christ has told us, love our enemies. Like there was, there was this one guy who I was listening to really loud music in my car. I was like totally into the song. Yeah. And, uh, and these fire trucks came from behind me and I didn't hear them. And there was a guy in front of me and the light had turned green and I beeped at him like move along the light's green. But then the fire trucks came and I was like, Oh shoot. I can't believe I beeped at him because I didn't hear the fire trucks. Like it was my bad. And then he pulled up alongside of me, flipped me the bird. And I, I, I pulled down my window and I was actually, uh, what's the verse where, uh, you fight anger with kindness or um, you combat anger with kindness, like, uh, in the, I don't in, the, the, face, verse. Like in yeah. the face of anger, if you're, if you're loving, it, it's the thing that will work to calm down anger. Um, I think, is it a proverb? It might be. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're saying. I do know like a gracious word turns away anger. I know that verse. Like that. It might be like that. Yeah. 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 But I know what you're saying. And, and I said to him kindly with no, cause I knew, I knew he was upset at the fact that I beeped at him right. and he was reacting and he didn't have to come at me with the finger. And I was like, listen, I didn't hear you. And then he was like, Oh, right. Diffused, <laughs> diffused the situation. Yes. 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 Yeah. Right. Right. Well, and I think anybody who goes through, sorry to cut you off, but like anybody who goes through something traumatic, um, you know, that fight or flight response or that knee jerk reaction is to be defensive or walls to go up or to be angry. And Jesus taught the opposite. And so without him, we can't, I mean, I can't do it because my, myself, my flesh is like, like, but I love what you said, too, is just like taking that moment. And they even teach you this in some therapies, right, of EDMR or ERP therapy. There are certain therapies that bring you to a traumatic situation and then you kind of have to like let it pass. So they'll say, mm-hmm. I think I think it's EDMR where let's say you're afraid of dogs. If a person listening or if you know somebody that's afraid of dogs, they sit in a in a. a chair at a a therapist and they hold up a picture of dogs, right? And you might be triggered because you were attacked or something happened to you, but the therapist holds that up there and says, this picture cannot hurt you. So we're going to let all the feelings wave over, all the emotion come through you and you're going to learn how to diffuse it. So that way, when you see a dog on the street, you're not triggered as easily, right? So these are practices and and we have the use of therapy and medicine and, and obviously Jesus to help us through these things. But I can imagine, I mean, I never went through what you went through, but I can imagine too, um, you know, I've had friends that have been abused by men and when they're around any sort of man that looks like that guy, they shut down, right? Rightfully so. And so it's, it's definitely like a compassion, like you were saying, you need to have on yourself to be like, whoa, this is not like, this is, you're helpless in this situation. It wasn't your fault that this happened, but also not feel sorry but rise up because we have a defender. We have Jesus in our life. And that is what's so cool about your story is you never act like a martyr. You know, you are absolutely crushing it um, with your modeling and your acting. You're, you're stunning and you're driven. We're going to take a quick break to discuss Write It Down's brand new website. You can head over to widpod.com, W-I-D-P-O-D.com and see all the goods. You'll notice a banner at the top of the page that says learn more. If you click that link, it'll show you how you can support Write It Down. P.S. My favorite part about the website is the Wid Wall, which is a collection of all the Write It Downs from the show. 
This podcast is made possible by the 1513 Network. So show the network some love and support by listening to their other shows. If not, just stick with Write It Down because I'm the coolest, the realest, the illest. Now, back to the show. And so, Gianna, how do you go from foster care to landing a role in Star Trek to working alongside Kate Hudson and Jennifer Aniston and Mother's Day? Like, how does this happen? What was your first break? And what were some of the things along the way that you're like, only God could open that door for me? Yeah, literally God. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I, I gave my life to Christ at 16. And I remember during that time, right after I gave my life to him, he gave me my career Mm. and what I believe is his calling for my life. And, um, and that he used to give me purpose. And I just interviewed this, uh, can I swear? Can I say A? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. That's hilarious. (laughs) I've heard worse. I've heard worse on here. It's okay. (laughs) I just, cause some, cause you can't, you can't swear on my show. Like I'll let the guests swear, but then we have to bleep them out. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're okay. Um, Safe place. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I interviewed this guy and he's super tough. Like he's yeah. just, he's like this alpha dude. He's he was like a sniper and wow. um, a Navy clearance diver, just like total masculine man mm-hmm. saving and protecting animals. And I'm like, yes, you need to be on my show. Right. And so he, he, uh, has suffers from a lot of PTSD from mm-hmm. being in the military and having to do what he did as a sniper and, wow. you know, whatnot. and so he, we talked about, um, PTSD and, and things that can help PTSD. And he said that, following your purpose is one of the finding purpose and then following it and going after that is one of the best and greatest tools for PTSD. And I totally agree with that. Like I had never heard that before. I just felt it. But when God used that, like his purpose for my life, it really helped me grow as a person and develop and chase after things and learn from people and find amazing people on my path. And, and that's just what happened. And and I followed it and, and more miracles happened and Mm. doors opened that only he could have opened. I moved to LA and Star Trek was my second acting job. The first one was, um, a feature role in Chuck and I played a bride. Um, and then my second one was Star Trek into darkness. And, um, I didn't know that I was, I was going to be in it. I submitted to something that was like, uh, you need to, we need, we're looking for European women, um, this height to this height and this age range. And I was like, sure, I'll submit to it. Like, hustled, like always submitted to things and like, yeah, be doing. So I'm just going to submit to things as long as it's not a porn, then I'm going to yeah. submit to it. <laughs> really? There you go. That's a good, that's a good standard right there. <laughs> that's the best thing I've ever heard in my life. I love it. I'm here for it. <laughs> yes. I love it. Oh man. So I submitted to it and then I went to this casting in Burbank. Okay. And it was super shady. Like it looks super shady. I okay. took my knife. And I was like, I'm yeah. just going to keep going. I'm going to yeah. keep walking yeah. forward until, uh-huh. until I'm not going to walk forward anymore. So I, I went in and they were like, tell us about your theater experience. And thank God I had some theater experience it, from Boston. And, um, and then they asked us another couple of questions and put us on tape. 
And then I went home and they were like, okay, we want you in for a fitting. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I went to Paramount Studios and then I went and I saw all of the costumes and I was like, like, like what? And so, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd be like, I would probably cry or I mean, or be speechless. I'd be like, wait, what? Yeah. I love that. And I read and like a few, there were only like a few of us that were selected to actually like be put on tape for an audition. Uh And then, and then I, it was a small part, but I was like, you know what? This is huge to me. Like it was a huge part to me because huge. it was in Star Trek into darkness. And I worked with JJ and we filmed for like, we filmed for like three weeks to a month. And all of us became, it was called the HH project. And we all had to walk around with these like black hooded costumes, like around the, um, the studio. And it was such a cool, it was such a beautiful experience. Like every day on set was a party and JJ would, would bring in like this YouTube prodigy here and this person here and this performer here. And he would, they would play for the the casting crew and like we would one day we had an ice cream truck and so then um, yeah it was so much fun and it was so cool to work with one of the best directors in ever in history yeah and um and then gary marshall mother's day happened yeah. and um, i i was like i was zooming with gary marshall and his assistant heather who uh, i'm still friends with to this day and he was like so do you have any questions before we we start shooting and i was like oh my goodness i'm Oh, I was a Skype. I was like, I'm Skyping with Gary Marshall. Yeah. And like, he was literally called the, the best director in the world during his time. And, um, and I was like, no, do you have any questions for me and, or advice for me? And he was like, just don't change anything. He's like, sometimes we'll hire actors and actresses and then they'll like shave their eyebrows off when they get to set. And like, <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, Gary, and I won't touch my yes, eyebrows. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, which is beautiful because, you know, in Hollywood, like to have a director tell you to just be yourself and show up and bring what, what you as an artist can bring, like it's performing is such a vulnerable thing that I don't think a lot of people in a directorial role or producing role, or even like an acting coach understands that when you give an actor who's been given something, like we all have our gifts and when they have a calling and a purpose and gifts, yes, you want to, you know, uh, direct them and do your job. However, to not tear them down, but to lift them up. And then when you are lifted up and you're encouraged to create and and be open and be vulnerable, that's when an artist can really dive into what their, what their talent is and what their gifts are and and create and be creative individuals. Because if you're, if you're trying to overanalyze things in your mind, you're not going to just be natural and be confident. Like that's, that's even in relationships or like in just daily relationships. Like if you have like the, an expectation or a hostile view towards somebody, they're going to feel that. You know, they're going to feel yeah. what you're you're kind of projecting onto them. And it's not going to give them space to be themselves. And I think, sure. like you're saying, like being in that vulnerable position, I mean, you're like laying it all out there. You're auditioning in front of people. You're like, sometimes it's like your one shot. Some of these some of these actors out there, this is their one shot. They get one audition and then it's like they might not get that call back. And that's a very vulnerable place to be. So I think that is, that's a huge gift to be given when somebody says, hey, don't change. Like we're going to yeah. hire you because I like you and what I, what your talents bring to the table. So anyway, sorry to cut yeah. you off. So mother's day, no. go ahead. Sorry. 
Yes, uh, Mother's Day, and that was Gary Marshall's last film before he passed away. And and you know what what a gift. And I think it comes from obviously God. And and f- like when you fulfill your purpose, it's kind of like walking on water. Yeah, where it's insane. Like, you have to trust. Yeah. You have like I don't know how this is going to work out, but that's not my job. The how is God's job. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Like I know where I want to go. I know the destination. I have to just keep. And and then when decisions come into your life, you're like, okay, does this? If I say yes or no to this this decision or this opportunity, is that going to get me to the ultimate goal? Is that right. going to be supportive of this ultimate goal? And so. Um, it's, it's a faith journey. And, and I think God really knew what he was doing when he gave me this calling is because it brought me, it has brought me so close to him yeah. because I'm in so much need of him. It's such a big calling and a big job that he has sent angels into my life. And he's sent humans that are like, you know, angels yeah. that we call angels, even though <laughs> angels are a different thing than humans. Yeah. Yeah. But he sent people like that into my life that have changed my life for the better. And it's, it's from him. It's ultimately for his glory and, and his good. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so grateful and mm-hmm. unbroken. I'll just talk about unbroken for a yeah, please, few seconds. Please. Um, so Angelina Jolie directed the first one. And I remember seeing the first one and being like, Whoa, this is a true story. And for anybody who doesn't know about Louis Zamperini's story, he, um, was, uh, I think he was a fighter pilot in world war two and the plane crashed and he survived the plane crash, <laughs> literally a plane crashing into the ocean. He survived. He got caught up in like all the wires and stuff and he got pulled down. He passed out. And then he woke up like however many feet under the water with a heavy metal plane dragging him down. And then he somehow got free, which was God, and then swam up to the surface after how many seconds or minutes passed out. And then, uh, there was a raft. He got into the raft with like three other people and, um, survived 47 days in the middle of the Pacific with sharks, with, with, uh, people shooting at them, no food, no water for 47 days. And somehow this raft lasted. And then after those 47 days of all that torture and all that survival, and I think one person died, they then got taken into um, a Japanese prisoner of war camp mm-hmm. and where Louis Zamperini was brutally beaten because he was an Olympic runner. And uh, this person called the bird was just pure evil and choosing to be pure evil and um, hated Louis because he was jealous of him. And he just really seeked Louis out and, and, was brutal to him, brutal. And so in the second one that I was in, I play Louis Zamperini's sister mm-hmm. and he comes back home with a lot, speaking of PTSD, with a lot of PTSD sure. and, um, and depends on alcohol. And like a lot of people don't like, this is something I've learned in life too. We have needs as, as human beings. Mm-hmm. And especially when we go through traumatic situations where, where we're at the innocent party, or even if you're not, you still go through a traumatic situation. So then you have a need to survive. How am I going to survive? How am I going to do this? And then so the world offers drugs. The world offers sexual promiscuity. The world offers alcohol. The world offers um, whatever. You know, whatever whatever easy, accessible thing is right in front of our face. We're like, oh, well, maybe that can help. Maybe that can help us uh, meet, meet our needs that we have. And, you know, people are suffering. They need to 
check out and feel good. Like we want to feel good. And so I think that there are there, I know there are more ways to meet needs and unbroken paths to redemption um, shows us that when we go to Jesus and when we invite Christ into our lives and we abide in him and do what he has told us to do, walk towards the things that he has told us to do, stay away from the things that he's told us to stay away from. We become a new creature. He renews our mind. We become new. We change. People absolutely can change. People absolutely can heal. 100%. And that is exactly what happened to Louis. He he didn't have any more nightmares after he gave his life to Christ. He went to a tent revival um, with, who's that famous pastor that was, um, he just passed away. Shoot. Um, Lou, Lou, was it Lou? Wasn't there a... Something like that. I know what you're saying. I feel like I've seen I've seen um his son before. What was yes, his name? Was it Billy no, not Billy Graham. It was like Lou. Was it Billy Graham? Oh, I was yes, like, there's another guy out there that just passed away. Yes. I think. But anyways, Billy Graham. Yeah. So we went to a Billy Graham tent revival. Yeah. And got saved and um in Los Angeles and and it's just it's just profound. It's yeah. profound how how God can truly heal people and I love that we're making movies about this stuff yeah. because. It's so helpful. Like people, some people are like, let's take Jesus out of the classrooms and let's not talk about God. But that's the one thing we need. We need it. Yeah, we need it. And and the more that you journey in your life with Christ and kind of echoing what you said about purpose, right, is it's the same thing like with a kid. If you if you I don't have kids, but I, my sister's a great mom and she's a great example. But she really calls forth what her kids are good at. So instead of harping on them for the things that they don't do, I mean, granted, they get disciplined and there's, 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 um, you know, consequences for actions, but she does such a good job of being like, Hey, you did a really good job today. Like taking care of your brother. You did a really good job paying attention to detail with your sister. And those are calling out certain gifts and tendencies her kids already have. And so instead of like, Hey, Gianna, you're, you're broken, you're beaten, you're battered no, I've called you into this, this like life and I've, you're beautiful and you're chosen and these doors are opening for you and you have a seat at the table and it's reinforcing and like stirring up hope and who you really are, right? Because we are seated in heavenly places with him. And so when the world is telling you you're not, or your circumstances are telling you you're not, and then you turn to the quick fixes, because those fixes do help to an extent. You know, alcohol and drugs and sex, does it does numb pain. That's why people keep going back to it. But it doesn't last and it doesn't bring freedom. And so there's this level of, the, of this, another aspect of your story that's beautiful is that you were called into higher places. So, mm. and that has just set the tone for the rest of your life and how you help others. Because instead of, you know, religion says, don't do this, crap, I messed up, my dad's coming, to relationship, oh my gosh, I messed up, I need my dad, right? We've heard that before. Yeah, and yeah. so that's the beauty of our walk with Jesus. And, and that's like something I was talking to my brother-in-law with, is like if your, you know, baby daughter, my niece, was downstairs and she made a mess in the kitchen and heard your footsteps, would she be scared or would she be excited that you're coming down so you can help her with this mess? And yeah. and it's true. And uh, truly, she would be excited because she is a daddy's girl. But it was just like a, a picture of like, that's how it should be, right? It should be this, hey, and that's where it comes a little more responsibility on Christians to be like, remember where you came from, 
remember the darkness that you were in. Remember the sadness that you were in and then remember where he's taken you, right? Those remembrance stones, which is slight plug why we have write it down podcasts because when you write things down, you remember where you've been in life and where God has taken you. And um, that's what his people had to do. That's what his disciples had to do. And that's what we have to do. And I must say that your life is a living, breathing testimony of a miracle after a miracle. And I am just so honored that you came on. And before I get to you, write it down. I have some rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Um, one is what is or who is an A-list actor or actress that has caught you by surprise in a good or bad way? Angelina Jolie, I've always really looked up to her and, um, she, she directed the first unbroken and, um, I was actually, I met her at an event and I talked to her and I had just spoken at the United Nations mm -hmm. on behalf of my foundation. Wow. And, um, and I talked to her about foster care and it's funny because I had a dream that I was going to meet her this way and it happened that way. And I talked to her about like my pet, like it was wild. I just got the chills. Yeah. And she was so nice to me. She was so real. She genuinely came she was like, can I see your speech at the UN? I was just like, I was so taken back. So wow. that's amazing. That's super cool. Okay. Your dream co-star. Angelina Jolie. Okay. 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 I think that's a given. That's a given. I could see it. You know, I was just thinking I could see you guys on the red carpet together, but you just have to promise me I can come to the premiere. So that's all I have to okay. say. Yeah, um, all right. Perfect. Favorite <laughs> style of pasta. Penny corkscrew angel hair like what is your your go-to base pasta i know you're vegan but pasta is yes. pasta and you're italian <laughs> for sure for sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i'd say penne because it's like i i can like stick it with a fork and yes. it's like thick and it's like good it's easy it's easy i just had yeah. corkscrew the other night very hard to stab with a fork um <laughs> most coveted vacation spot where would you love to vacay um, my favorite place on earth is, well, is my home. I love my home because my babies are here yeah. and I feel safe and it's, I love, 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 love my home. I'm so grateful. Okay. Um, but besides my home, my other favorite place on earth is Santorini, Greece. Oh, I want to go to Greece. Is it all that it's cracked up to be? Yes. Okay. Go to Santorini. Okay. It's amazing. Okay. It's amazing. I love it there. I'll write that down. Okay. Last one. Which is funny because you kind of mentioned being in the car and listening to music, but your favorite song of all time that you could just listen to on repeat. That's a hard one, but if you could narrow it down. I just, can I look at the one that I've been listening to literally on repeat? Yes. It's, it actually like, I was like belting it out um, <laughs> in, in the other day and I was like crying and like having a moment. Um, what is it called? <gasps> I have friends like that too. They're like, I know the song. I love it. I just don't know the name. I know all the words too. Yeah. Um, hold on. Wait, I took a screenshot of it. No, you're good. Hold on, hold Take on. your time. It's supposed to be rapid fire. It's supposed to be right here. It is promise. Keeper. Huh? Promise keeper by Hope Darst. Oh, that's sweet. Such a good song. Okay. I'll have, to, I'll have to listen to that song. Um, all right, Gianna Simone, we're at the point of the show where I ask each guest to give the audience something to write down. So Gianna, what is your write it down? Okay, so I thought a lot about this. Okay, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, got, I got this little card a while ago and I have it in my closet and sometimes I'll look at it and I'll keep having to remind myself of this. And I know, I know this lesson, like mm. God tells us about this. And it says the greatest thing we'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. Mm. And I think that 
when I read it in that way, sometimes when you, when things are delivered to you in, in different, this is why language is so important and communication is so important is because it really, it really hit me. Like that is the greatest thing. God tells us to love him and to love others. And when we're in relationship with him, he just wants us to be loved yeah. and for us to understand that. And it's such a profound thing, but also very simple when it's delivered in, in ways that we understand it. Yeah. And so that was a way that I really understood it, that while the greatest thing we can do is to love God and love others and be loved in return. Oh, I love that. That's super sweet. Gianna Simone, thank you so much for joining the Write It Down podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Same. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Write It Down podcast. This podcast is a part of the 1513 Network. You can catch a variety of shows on their website, 1513.com. If you enjoy listening to Write It Down, please subscribe, share with your friends, and if there's any ink left in your pen, write a review. For more content, follow the fun on Instagram by following at W-I-D-P-O-D. That spells WIDPOD. Super cool. Stands for Write It Down Podcast, but it's abbreviated to WIDPOD. Anyways, thanks for listening, and we will catch you later.